building a strategic narrative is not an act of marketing or, or literature. It's not an act of literature. It's not an act of, you don't have to be a great writer. Building a strategic narrative is an act of leadership. You're listening to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast with professional speaker, coach, and consultant, Nicole Greer. Welcome, everybody, to the Build a Vibrant Culture podcast. My name is Nicole Greer, and I am absolutely delighted to have Guillaume Viat with me today. Guillaume is the author of Strategic Narrative, a simple method that business leaders can use to make everyone understand their business, get behind it, and believe in it. That's fantastic. And his company, is MetaHelm. He guides CEOs, founders, and business owners to align teams and accelerate innovation adoption. And hello, things need to change out there. A former big firm strategy consultant, Guillaume has founded four ventures. So he's been down the startup trail four times, people. He is sought after by senior executives of companies like Alaska Airlines, the Gates Foundation, Generations for Peace, AIG, L'Oreal, because you're worth it, Spencer Stewart, Gap, Google, Microsoft, and don't miss this, the U.S. and French governments are after him, but for good reasons, good reasons. Guillaume <laughs> teaches and mentors entrepreneurs at startup incubators, uh, EM Lyon International B Business School, and the University of Washington Master of Science in Entrepreneurship, which ranks number three in the U.S., so... Get your application started today. Welcome to the show, Guillaume. I'm absolutely delighted to talk to you. Nicole, likewise. It's such a great honor to be here. Such a pleasure. Um, I love your podcast. It's already very vibrant. So I'm yes. energized and ready, ready to chat with you. Oh, that's fantastic. And look, everybody, at his bookshelf behind him. Take a peek here. He's got it all color coordinated like the girls at Home Edit. I love that. <laughs> you are advanced. Okay, so ladies, you should see his bookshelf. I'm just saying. Okay, so tell us, tell us, Guillaume, I'm collecting definitions of leadership. What's your definition of leadership? Well, my, okay, that's, um, there's so many definitions. Out there. My, I in, know. In, we speak from, from experience. I'll speak from experience, right? I've been mostly in working with leaders and, and in capacities of leadership where things are very uncertain. You know, it's, uh, really, really characterized by, um, a lot of unknowns. So to me, leadership is the, is the capacity to forge a path forward for people and help people really drive adaptive uh, change really that's what it is and be, and and again that's because i've been in the in the startup world innovation world where you know we lead um ventures we lead organizations we lead people uh sometimes communities through through radical transformations and so there is a lot of things we don't know <laughs> so that's my definition of leadership Oh, I love it. And you know, the thing about it is, is that everybody's talking about change management, but mm -hmm. you could just put like change management, equal sign leadership. I mean, it, yeah, that's it, really what it is. Yeah. Especially these days where I think we, um, we can only, um, agree that, uh, change is faster, change is bigger, more uncertain, global, uh, coming from, uh, blind spots all the time, you know, areas, obviously we, we are not able to predict, you know, a few years or decades ago, but yeah, there are I some, totally agree. but there are some massive changes around us, you know, in, in, in terms of our environment that we can predict, we know, uh, what might happen if we don't do anything. So, um, or not enough. 
Yeah, exactly. So leaders have to be like vigilant and on it all the time. Now you should have some downtime, mm-hmm. but when you're on it, you need to be, you know, thinking about what can we do to do better so you don't mm-hmm. get left behind. Now you have a book, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. And it's about strategic narrative. So my guess is there are some folks going, what's a strategic narrative? Will you kind of tell us what a strategic narrative is to begin? I'll try I don't my, understand that. I'll try my best. <laughs> Because okay. this book is an attempt at defining what it is. My, my definition of a strategic narrative is that it's a system of stories that you will build intentionally to mobilize people to join you on a new opportunity. So that's the by the book. That's my by the book definition. Uh, what's behind this definition is the distinction that very few people make, which is the difference between a story and a narrative. And I was compelled to really explore that difference because I think that the difference has major implications for us uh, in the business community and people trying to build better organizations. So what is the story? What is a narrative? Most people will tell me, well, it's the same because you know, in our day-to-day language, we use those two terms interchangeably. And it's true that there is, if you look at a Venn diagram with two bubbles, one says story, one the other say, you know, the other one would say is narrative, very strong overlap. But in the way we use the word narrative, we have an opportunity to, uh, to see uh, different things, such as a narrative uh, conveys a viewpoint. Uh, a story could also, but not necessarily always. A narrative has um, this open-endedness that a story doesn't have. When we talk about story in, in storytelling, we learn that there is a beginning, a middle, and an end. Typically, that's what um, Joseph Campbell has mapped out in the hero's journey. I, I, I know someone was on your podcast to talk brilliantly about this uh, very recently. And so, and it's true, you know, we, we think about this in terms of, um, of something that resolves itself, right? We go back to, we, we move on to the next stage, but we, we go back to some kind of, of conclusion. Narratives, on the other hand, and what I, what I, I want to make sure that we're clear here, when I use the word narrative, I word, I use it in a context such as, you know, the narrative about society, the narrative about justice, the narrative about economy, or the narrative about, you know, some, something bigger than us. What we mean there is that there, there, it's still unfolding. Like we don't know what the end is going to look like. So why does this matter? It's because um, when you build a company, most people will say, well, we have a story. And I disagree with that. You don't have a story. You have many stories. You have many stories. You have an origin story. You have something, maybe a product story. You have customer stories because you're gathering feedback and testimonials all the time. And you have a thousand stories really that come, come all the way, you know, all, all the time. And the problem is how do we make sense of all those stories? How do we organize them? How do we know which one to communicate, which one to reshape? Uh, sometimes because really our team, for instance, need to change the way they work. That's what I called a narrative. So a narrative is a is a system of stories. Is a is a is really a combination of stories. If you could visualize it, uh, you would probably see something uh, in your mind, such as a constellation of 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 things, an aggregate. You know, something that looks like a galaxy of messages. And very often, time that's what I've I've experienced through my twenty three or four years journey through this you know through this exploration is that. 
in business, we're not very conscious about this system and we let it grow organically in a way that create chaos. And we wonder after that, why people are lost? Why is it that we're misaligned? Why is it that we are not very differentiated in the market? And that's because our narrative is all over the place. And you, you can see that there is research that shows that in companies of about a thousand people or so, only 10% of people know where the ship is going. Only 10%. Oh my gosh. I mean, just, just to wrap this up, despite you know huge efforts from communications and marketing and strategy to make sense, people are still lost. It's because there is not a common narrative strong enough to point them to the right, to the same direction. Oh my gosh. You're, like the only reason I was interrupting is because I was like, <laughs> my brain was about to pop off of my shoulders here. It's like, ah! you know, like, you know, you know, when you hear like the truth or you hear something that confirms what you see everywhere you go, you're like, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, and that's oh. what I'm sitting here thinking. Like ah. I go out and I work with companies and organizations and here's the thing, like they know where they're going between now and five o'clock. But mm-hmm. what we're talking about is like, what is, you know, it's back to this thing that we all talk about as leaders, which is vision. Mm-hmm. But I find people do not have a very clear vision at all. In fact, mm-hmm. uh, I debate a lot of times with people around vision. I think vision should be like, that's a point on the map that we'll get there and we'll yeah. know we're there because we've told the story of what it looks like when we get there. Like we'll right. wake up and go, oh, look, we're here. And then that's when we have to get a fresh vision and consistently innovate. I'm glad your head didn't pop. One more one. (laughs) That's right. She's still on here. You're still here. (laughs) That's great. But I'm I'm so no. What I mean is I'm I'm also so glad that you that that flip just happened in your mind because that's really the flip that I'm trying to have people realize that they should also have like what I experienced you know years and years ago, and you're and I'm so on board with you, which is. Companies will define it as some kind of a vision. They say, oh, that's our vision. But here are the problems is that very often time it's an exercise that they'll do in a vacuum or it's just a leadership that will, you know, lock themselves up in a, in a room for, for a few right, hours the mm-hmm. or the retreat. Okay. We'll just uh, wipe up something. And the problem there is that because the process is dysfunctional, the vision is all about the company. It's all about us, 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 what we will do. And that portrays a narrative that is only, it's very limited because it's only internal. Like outside, your vision may not be people's vision. Your mission may not be people's mission. So how do you start this? So if you do that, then how do you attract the right talents? How do you work with the, your ideal customers? How do you raise money from the right investors? How do you make a dent, a difference in your community when uh, people are, you know, kind of uh, all over the place trying to fix bigger challenges? There is limited adequation, limited connection between the organization and the environment. So I, I just so agree with you on that. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, you were talking about um, how the, the different stories are out there. And one of the things that I will do when I, and, I, and in my company, I do a ton of training. I get, you know, try to do a ton of like, you know, group coaching and that kind of thing. And I will ask people, tell me about a story about a time that you did this or you did that. Right. So right. not only do people have like this informal way that stories are out there, but a lot of people have a hard time. Like, what do you mean a story? Like almost like we've lost our ability to to see ourselves through story. Um, and I'll share just a quick 
quick thing. I was talking with a credit union that I work with and they're fantastic people. And I said, uh, tell me how the credit union started. And everybody, everybody's like, you know, I don't know. Well, then the COO who started as the mail guy and is now the COO, he was the mail guy. He walked Mm -hmm. back when we used to get mail and he would walk with his cart and he would would (laughs) deliver mail. So that was the thing before email people. Mm -hmm. But um, he said, well, I'll tell you how it started because he's been there over 30 years. And he said, um, a couple of guys who worked for the phone company got together and put money in a shoebox. And they said, what we'll do is if anybody who works here needs a loan, like car breaks down or they need something for their kid or some kind of help, we'll put, we'll pool our money together in this shoebox and we'll loan them what they need. Mm. And that's how the, I mean, now, like, if you just think about that story, it's like, with a shoebox right. and, and now the place is worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. But what a great story to tell people that are getting onboarded to tell our members that are already members that, you know, may not understand the rich heritage of right. generosity and care that's inside this organization. So I just love stories and, and, so, and, and, and you, your narrative thing. Yeah. And you see like what you're describing here is uh, actually uh, it's, uh, I do this exercise with my, uh, you know, the entrepreneurs community I work with is also, right. uh, you know, the origin story exercise. And that's what I mean by the difference between a story and a narrative. Your origin story is just one piece of your narrative, right? But one essential sure. piece. And if I, if I may add to what you, what you did with this critic, which is wonderful. I see this very often, like we forgot where the company comes from. In fact, you, we know, we probably, most of us know the term, the company DNA, and uh, if I may borrow this metaphor for, for a moment Please. here, you know, the DNA is comes, you know, if you, if you, if you look at, at plants around us, the DNA of each plant is in the seed, right? And um, plants will, will start with this and they will grow and the DNA will always be there. And so that's how plants adapt, survive, pick the right shape, you know, according to shade or, or humidity and so on. Organizations, on the other hand, also have a DNA and, that, and the seed is the origin story. So it's probably the, the moment in time that triggered the foundation of the company. And so unlike plants, organizations need to be reminded of the DNA, right? Uh, constantly. And so I don't see enough companies that uh, will go back in time and will revisit what the origin story uh, mean as of today. Maybe the maybe the company has changed so much that we barely see any connection with how it started and why it started. If you look at a huge organization, you know, international corporations, they have so many lines of services, departments, locations that what is the connection now with what we, um, you know, with, with what we started and what we created in the first place? And so there may not be a very clear connection, but at least we should be aware of it and we should understand why and how we've we've evolved over time. So I do this exercise with founders and and CEOs that I work with. And, you know, it, it's always striking to hear those comments like, oh my gosh, Guillaume, this exercise reminding me we completely forgot to talk about this. So I'll give you an example. I work with this company in France who does um, business development coaching and they do that online and they've been a pioneer for about a decade or so in, the, in that space of doing it uh, remotely, all virtually. 
And recently, the company has been through a very, uh, very, very significant growth and needed to rebrand and needed to take some strategic decision as far as hiring is concerned, also investment is concerned. And the CEO um, had a hard time articulating where this, why this company needed to do that. He could do, he could do it at the tactical level and explain, you know, all the ins and outs, but really what was the bigger picture? And I, so I, I challenged him, you know, with that origin story until he realized that the reason why he started this company is this. He's also a professional volleyball player. And when he was in his uh, early 20s, he was playing volleyball at the already at a semi-pro level while also being a salesperson. And he was selling coffee and tea to grocery stores. Uh, he was an employee of a large corporation, probably Unilever or something. Well, don't, don't quote me on this, but similar to this one. And one day he got in a really tough situation with one of his clients. And uh, he tried to call the office, was back in the late eighties. So he could only call, right. got sent an email and try to seek, to seek support and coaching. And he got barely any response. And then he tried the following days. He tries to debrief the situation with his boss and didn't feel heard. Didn't feel like he had the training. And from, from this moment on, he got, he started thinking about how can we help salespeople better? And he never really put together that the reason why he was seeking this is because as a volleyball pro player, he was coached all the time, all the time. He right. didn't have one coach, but five coaches. Right. And this is how you serve the ball and hit the ball and spike the ball. Exactly. exactly. And yeah. so he, he was making the parallel between, okay, in sports, having a coach is duh, uh, obviously, right? right? You don't have a coach, you have a problem. Whereas in business, you have a coach, you must have a problem. It's kind of the narrative that most people still, you know, these days kind of have in their mind. A coach is only for when you have problems. And that's the wrong narrative. I'm I'm against that narrative to be, to be oh, very clear. Wait, here. hold on, hold on, hold on. So, I got to interrupt again. I agree. Yes. You know, the original coaching that, well, uh, there's a gentleman named Leonard that you know, was the first guy to get all this stuff written down about coaching. And it was supposed to be for high potentials, like athletes. Mm -hmm. But now what is happening, even in my own coaching business, my, that part of my business is that people are like, here, this is a problem person. Could you coach mm -hmm. them? Yeah. But it's like, well, I can, or you could give me all your really good people and we could get them going even faster. You know, so I love what you're saying. So keep going. I just had to agree and say that, hello, everybody. When you hire a coach, you need to get your high potentials but so they see, can spike harder, hit harder, serve better. I think you, my clients and you should meet because I think, I think, you know, you, you have this, you know, similar mentality here and Absolutely. all he's, all he's been trying to do with this company is bring this mentality forward and really make this a, a no brainer, uh, in the, in the company he serves now. And, uh, we had to go all the way back to the day he thought about this idea and, and, and thought about launching a business or to fix this problem, you know, way, way before he, he was, um, he was actually forming this business, but it was so, so funny, so interesting to hear him say that, yeah, I completely forgot about this story and I should really, I should really share it way more with my team. Um, so of course after, yes. after this, he had a seminar with his team, um, during which he, uh, he shared it. And that was in 20, um, late 2020, early 2021. 
and that that had that that clicked for so many people and that's after that they experience uh, so it's probably not directly related but it helps they experience 75% growth they grew 75% in the subsequent year people were so aligned that he was now confident to just uh, let them all and ask them to go uh, publicly communicate with more clients, even people who are not client facing like, like, you know, you, if you, if you have something to say about this company and what, what our, what our endeavor is here, uh, please feel free because that's how you build a strategic narrative is you, when you're able to really get to the core essence of why this company exists and activate it in a way that people are not just an audience, they turn into participants of that of that narrative. That, by the way, that's another difference that I make between story and narratives. Stories have an audience. People will listen. They'll buy your story. They'll buy your book. They'll they'll buy you know whatever you published. And if you have something great on your website, they'll probably buy into your ideas. Narratives are participants. You know, people will join you, will send you. Um, I, I've seen this happen to uh, some some uh, startup entrepreneurs I work with. Came back to me and said, "We are receiving checks from strangers. We don't know who these people are, and they they are sending us money to invest in our company. We've never seen anything like that." And they say that's because what we are saying, uh, what we stand for here in this market is really appealing to them and completely different. So that's another, another, another example of what happens when you have a narrative. You have participants. They want to work with you. They're begging at your door to really join you. Your pool of talent is just increasing because naturally people don't see themselves as employees. They see themselves as a part of a, of a community of, or, or a tribe that share ideas that are bigger than just an organization. Yeah. And when you're talking about that, the first company that comes to mind is Grove. Are you familiar with Grove, who is going from, who is single-handedly trying to choose from going from plastic to plastic-free cleaning products? And I've if you heard think about, about it, it, but I will. I won't say I know it, but I've heard okay, about it. Okay. All right. So I know. I know other companies are called the Grove or Grove something, but I will. Yeah. Tell me about it. Tell me. I want to know. Okay, well, everybody check out Grove.co. One of the great things about this company is that they are trying to get people to stop buying a plastic bottle of, let's say, Windex or a tin can thing full of Lysol or the various sundry things you have under your kitchen sink and get you to um, buy their product, which can be all made in a glass bottle and used over and over and over and over and over. So reducing um, the plastic footprint and um, when and they have their commercials on television, which I'm sure their commercials are on YouTube. So just go look up grove.co cleaning commercials or something. It'll pop right up. Mm-hmm. And they talk about how they are going to change the way that we consume cleaning products. And so what a great narrative that is. And then just don't miss this, everybody. What Guillaume was saying is even the customers become part of the narrative. Because I'm going to buy stuff that I'm not using plastic anymore. And now I get to be part of the story. It's so genius. Yeah, yeah. You know, as you were as you were talking, I am here on my screen. I just typed in growth.com on my brother. They, come, they, yeah. they pop right up. Um, I see that I use actually some of their product without knowing that it's uh, from from them. So which is which is even better. It means that the, you know, the, the narrative works at a meta level that we don't even recognize now. Uh, but I, I have many comments to bring here, which is... 
Number one, did you, did you see how I described some something, I gave you a couple of examples and immediately you could think about yes. a brand that represents that. Okay, good. Cause so, so that, that's what happens when you have a strong narrative and, and I, I'm sure I don't know, but I'm sure this was strategically designed, not by, by mistake. Um, oh yeah. That's so, some genius so, over there. So that's, so that's what happened. So what's interesting, and I, I actually studied the, the narrative around plastic and recycling, uh, what's the mm. narrative around plastic and recycling? What have we um, been taught around this this uh, this matter here? We've been taught that as soon as we see a recycle sign on a package, we just put it in the right container, and the narrative is we take care of it for you. It disappears and it gets recycled, right? It's not true. The truth is that I think it's the the data shows eight to nine percent, only eight to nine percent. So meaning ninety one to ninety two percent of what we put in a recycle bin does not get recycled. It gets you know um, back back to landfill. So it's just like we are just filling the filling the landfill or get burned, creating CO two. And so this narrative was was designed was fabricated to uh, make people comfortable with the guilt, the guilty feeling of creating, producing more trash, more disposable stuff we don't want. Back in the 60s and 70s, it was narratives that were crafted by PR um, departments, communication departments of packaging manufacturers. You can look that up. It's well, very, very well documented. So having a strategic narrative can also be a bad thing. <laughs> it could also serve a purpose that is negative for a community and, and society. Sometimes people tell me, oh, Guillaume, what you're teaching us is the art of manipulation and propaganda. And I'm like, yeah, may, maybe some of the mechanisms, I'm, I'm, I'm shedding some light on some of the mechanisms that actually make people move toward a certain direction. You may use these for, for bad intent, for sure. You can do that. <laughs> what I'm trying to do is put it in the hands of people who have a mission that is, Align with what the world needs right now. And we need, That's right. we need businesses for good. We need businesses that create um, a, a better place. So um, that was the other comment I wanted to make uh, regarding Grove.com here. I have, I've, I've studied, I've documented now I have about, about a tw tw 10, I have about 20 really solid case studies. I'm constantly researching companies. Another example we have, uh, you, are you probably familiar with Mod Pizza? Yeah. Okay. So oh, yeah. Pizzas... I know all the pizza. <laughs> I do. I know them all. Pizza lover. What's your, what's your favorite? I mean, who isn't a pizza lover? But anyways, go ahead. What's your favorite? Well, favorite actually, actually here I live in Concord, North Carolina. Come visit me. In Concord, North Carolina, we have Afton Pub and Pizza. Uh-huh. And on and on Monday nights at the Afton Pub and Pizza, you can get a large pizza. I'm not kidding. The thing is this big. It's ginormous. Like two feet five. Wide. It's five bucks. It is the biggest pizza for five bucks. <laughs> and um, and you can have whatever you want on it. It's Monday night. And the and here's the here's the secret. The best part of the pizza has to be the crust. Now there are crust people, there are sauce pizza that's, you know, there's the topping people. Topping people. I'm a crust person. Okay. So the, you could eat that crust like bread, like the, the, round, the part around the edge, yeah. like it's so fluffy and good. You can just get some butter and eat it like a roll. Oh my God. It's so good. But anyway. So that's, that's the narrative that, that's the narrative that they convey <laughs> here. Is there, everything is good in pizza. <laughs> 
That's right. That's right. That's right. And, and so, and you and you said something interesting and, and related to mod pizza here, which is you can have any topping you'd like. So mod pizza is uh, was founded in Seattle in 2008 by a couple who were, were looking for better food options for their family as they were on the go. And they couldn't yeah. really find something besides, you know, we've got the taco truck and McDonald's and uh, maybe, you know, um, the pizza place that we we don't really want to go there, but we have to because there's that's it. That's about it. So they thought about what if there were what if, what if there was a place where we could have healthy choices? We wouldn't have to worry about how many toppings we want because, you know, we can just the kids want what they want. And also where um, not only this place would serve customers, but also would serve the community. And that's how they they launched a pizza company. And who who needs yet another pizza chain in 2008 uh, as the market is totally saturated? They they launched this company with a completely new narrative, which is a pizza chain can be also a platform for societal societal change and societal good. You know, providing people with job opportunities they would otherwise not have, um, giving them decent benefits, decent pay, and making those places not just about the food, but but also about the atmosphere and the connection. And you can you go in these restaurants, you can actually feel it. Um, so I think this is a fascinating way to build more uh, sustainable companies. People ask me like, okay, Guillaume, this is, they say, okay, Guillaume, this is great. You know, this sounds very like, you know, you're, you're, you're like, you're, you're a do-gooder. That's, that's great. But we're in business here. I'm like, yes, me too. By the way, this company is one <laughs> of the most profitable pizza uh, chain in, in the United States right now, probably the most profitable, opened 500 restaurants in a little more than a decade. Is going public. Talk to me about business results. That's the way you go about it by by starting a business. With first of all, what's the new narrative we want to put out there? The products comes next, and I see so many people just completely all focused on product, 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 and all the and my product does this, 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 that, and like yeah, your competitor's product does the same. By the way. Um, <laughs> But why are you, why are you launching this? What's what, why, right? That's the narrative should come first. So yet another example, I've got so many. I know that's right. Well, right here in Charlotte, North Carolina, we have a gentleman, his last name is Noble. And mm -hmm. you can't make this stuff up. His last name is Noble, like Noble, like a good guy, like a right? Good guy, yeah. Like, so Noble not person. using your, yeah, not using your narrative for, for evil, but only for good. So he has a restaurant in downtown Charlotte. We don't call it downtown here. We're very optimistic. We call it Uptown Charlotte. Don't mm -hmm. you know? But anyway, so it's Uptown Charlotte and he, uh, it's called King, the King's Kitchen. Yeah. And he he gives jobs to people who are just getting out of jail. Great. That that so other great. people would not hire because mm -hmm. they would look at the resume. What have you been doing for the last couple of years? Well, mm -hmm. I've been incarcerated. Mm -hmm. And in this case, um, he says, come on, let's get you back to work. Let's go. Let's make it happen. And so he is famous. And uh, talking about Mod Pizza, it's the same thing here in Charlotte. He's opened yeah. up a great barbecue joint over on Freedom Drive. He's got so many things cooking and so much good publicity because he is doing good things. Now you can, like you said, call that manipulation, or you could call that being a force for good in the for, world. For good, yeah, for change. Absolutely. Absolutely. Right. 
And so, right. and so, so, so we're, we're, I noticed we're picking examples of like smaller businesses, maybe new businesses. And it's true that I'll say, if you start a company with the narrative first in place and evolving, you, you've got greater, great chances of success, probably greater chances of success in my opinion. And now what about existing company? What if you're listening to this show and go, well, I love what you're saying, guys, but I am an established company. Yeah, tell us what to do. I, I feel like, you know, where do we where do we even start? You know, what's um you know, so 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 first of all, people have to understand here that we're not talking about a branding exercise. We're not talking about marketing, we're not talking about PR. If if you and that's a major mistake here, if you just think about this as oh yeah, great, we're gonna do the reaps, we're gonna rebrand, redo the website. Have a few, you know, great articles and show off how great we are. This is like putting package over over something that you know I want to be. I don't want to be negative about, but you're just putting lipstick on something pig. ugly. Yeah, <laughs> but pig is pretty derogatory. You put, you, your prob, your business is probably great, but needs to be needs to be reengineered. It has to come from the inside, and I think that's why you know here we're talking about leadership building a strategic narrative is not an act of marketing or, or literature. It's not an act of literature. It's not an act of, you don't have to be a great writer. Building a strategic narrative is an act of leadership. It's really an act of leadership. It's, it's about having the courage to say, why did you start this company? It's having the courage to disagree with your competition and say, like this pizza, you know, this, this owner of the pizzeria there saying, you know what? I disagree with our uh, hiring practices in our industry. I think we should give chances to people who uh, would not normally have chances to get a job. That's, mm-hmm. that's how you, that's how you lead into a new narrative. And I can, and, and I can, I can go on with the, with the leadership attributes that you Please need do. to, to work well. So, so, so an, another one, um, is co-construction. A, a strategic narrative is not something that you design and build and write on your own as a leader. You have to be able to be vulnerable enough to bring in your teams, your collaborators, whoever this might be to, to co-build it you know, with you, like, do you think that, you know, the founders of Mod Pizza, they had the idea, but did they, did they find all of the solutions to make that narrative come to life? No, it was. No, they had a team of people who had, and they, and they all had a different experience and have to have to share it. Yeah. And, and everyone in their own store, like how does, uh, inclusivity, how does justice, how does a uh, friendship show up in this region versus this region versus this community versus that community? How do we hold again, uh, true for, to support our values there in each. So you have to, you have to be able to, um, to do some, what I call co-creation. When you do this, what you'll find is that when people have their fingerprints on the narrative, they, they build it together. So they need less oversight. Uh, it's easier to manage. It's easier to, um, to delegate. Uh, but it require that, it requires that mindset. It requires that courage to say, how do we carve out the time to really bring people together? So the pioneer in that uh, specific uh, leadership practice is, in my opinion, and also in the food business is Starbucks, who many, many years ago decided to close all their stores and say, okay, wait a minute here. We're not uh, holding true to our culture. We're going to close all the stores for how many days it will take us to just bring, you know, it's just, it's just uh, tea, you know, um, how do you call time it? Bas- basketball. Time like- out. Time out, reset, 
let's see how we can work this this better together another another principle i love is uh say the things you're afraid to say call out the elephant in the room and so uh over the years first of all i was i was i was not doing this very well to be honest i was just kind of glancing you know in my earlier early careers i kind of saying what everybody was thinking and avoiding the conflicts and avoiding and so until i realized that i was not helping and so it took took me a few attempts to really see the value of talking being able to talk about the elephant in the room and developing a safe environment and a, a zone a culture uh, a vibrant culture right that allows That's exactly for that, right that allows for that like you know saying that thing saying the things you you're 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 afraid to say speak the uh, indecible you know the, the the truth because when you will do that what you're going to generate is a sense that people can trust you to put words on the things that they were feeling that they that that needed to be said so you may rough some feathers you may go against the grain but ultimately you will mobilize and you will rally the right people that um will be uh you know, loyal, loyal relationships with you for a very, very, very long time. So that's yeah. one of the, one of the principles. And they are all in my book in, in strategic narrative. I, I just list 10 of the, of the main one. I have more on my email list and on my website too. Mm, that's good. And I, I was reminded of a book that I have read and um, I adore. I have like a little Cliff Notes version of his book. It's by Roger Schwartz. He's from UNC, uh, excuse me, UNC Chapel Hill here in North Carolina. And uh, I love what you said about, you know, calling out the elephant in the room. And he has a great way. He says it too. And I love the way he says it. <laughs> he says, um, you have to discuss the undiscussables. Oh, <laughs> and I think that, isn't that good? That. Yeah, that's how he says it. And yeah. and it's kind of like, you know, uh, we're all delusional mm-hmm. if, we d- if we don't discuss it, mm-hmm. right? And oftentimes when I'm working with leaders, I'll be like, uh, you know, if you don't discuss the undiscussable, you're going to lose credibility. And I think what I'm having an aha about, Guillaume, is that if a leader talks about the narrative, develops a strong narrative, co-creates it like you're talking about, then it's almost like we can't not talk about it because we'd kind of fall out of integrity. Like if we're trying to develop this better way, uh, Mm -hmm. there's no room for delusion anymore. We got to get real about what's happening. This narrative has to tell the truth and it has to tell us, um, you know, how to behave. How does, how does, um, the narrative affect the behavior or the, the way that people move inside of an organization. Is there is there any research on how you know the performance goes up based on the narrative, the strength yeah. of the narrative? So there 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 is a lot of research out out there, and one theme you might, if you're interested in 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 looking at one theme is um, it's the the theme of uh, language uh, being performative performative you know what you say becomes your action do you know the more you 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 bring up a topic the more you explore it articulate it the more you will realize that unconsciously it's in the back of your mind it's becomes ingrained in the habits of people in the way you 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 and your team make decisions for instance or how you treat your customers um, and this is a natural uh, human function of things and that's why you know it's not new <laughs> it's very ancient uh, religions we're built uh, on that principle. We will gather every day, every week to read the verses of our texts 
wherever whether it's a Quran or a Bible or the Torah, whatever religion you are from, and we will recite them and repeat them and remind ourselves of the guiding principles that we are here to to defend. And so that that's so religion, uh, political movements, social movements understood this <laughs> centuries ago, right? The millennials ago, and it seems like in our business community today we forgot a little bit about this and we forgot that okay it takes time it takes time to build it takes the gut to write you to to stop and gather your team and yeah and give that opportunity for those ideas to transform into behaviors right i i love this i love this aspect of it uh, i'm still to be honest i'm still discovering i would leave another i would need i would love to have another lifetime <laughs> to continue to explore just that uh, there, there is a ton of research on that. I don't have the paper next to me right now, but no, it's fine. It's fine. And, and share some references here. But look up um, language performative. Oh, I can't say this. You know, I'm French, so sometimes some words are, are difficult for me to say. But um, okay, performativeability. I think it okay. is. Okay. Yeah. yeah, and and so basically, what you're saying is that you know, if you say I eat healthy. I eat healthy and then you eat you will, something healthy. You will start eating eat. healthy. <laughs> That's exactly right. That's exactly right. Maybe you have to lay off the pizza. Yeah. Just saying. Okay. Yeah, All yeah. right. All right. So so tell us how how do we get started? Of course, everybody that's listening, you could call Guillaume and he could yeah. get you started. But let's say we can't all call you because your phone would be ringing off the hook. So mm -hmm. what how do we get started? How, what like what are the kind of the steps of getting your narrative? How do we get our act together around this? Right. So um the first thing I you're going to have to diagnose your uh, your situation, your organization, whatever the case might be. So the first of all is not to rush into solutioning. Number one step is don't rush into solutioning. You are trying to evolve, uh, if you have an established company, into a new kind of organization, new kind of company. So the first thing is to, to, to frame the problem properly. And here is a framework, very easy framework you can use. Oh, I love uh, it. So, uh, so, so again, you know, we're talking about narrative is a system of stories. So stories could be told stories could be, uh, visible because they are, they are an artifact. They are a product, whatever the case might be. Stories are told inside your company, but also outside your company. So you might need to, you know, listen carefully to what your market says, what your, your customers say. And basically the framework is the following picture, a sheet of paper. You can actually take a sheet of paper now and you draw, uh, one vertical line in the center, one horizontal line in the, in the center, and you get four quadrants. The first axis is, will be, I'll start with the horizontal one is okay. whatever is on the left is internal. Whatever is on the right is external. So you're going to start, you know, you can do this very quickly, but then you're going to need time to go in outside and explore. And you're going to start listing. What is it that you hear and you see inside your company? What is it that you hear and see outside your company? So of course, when you are the owner or the CEO or, or when you're working with a company, you're inside the jar, you know, it's a metaphor. And so it's hard to read the label outside the jar. So you might need a little bit of, help or pick up the phone and ask, you know, maybe some of your friendly customers, like what, if you think about our company, what would you say that we do? Or what's the first word that comes to mind when you think about us? And that's, that's, do, that's doing some listening here. So on your, mm -hmm. on the left part of the sheet is the inside on the right part of the sheet is the outside. Now I told you there is also, um, 
there is also you know another axis. The other one is to look That's at right, the y-axis. The y-axis is like to look at things from a, a, an individual level to a collective level, right? So uh, co- most people think about a narrative as a as something that is collective. You know, it's it's our our set of values, it's our culture. Oh, it's expressed, you know, on our in our um, employee book. Yeah, we've got our story there, and you know, we've got we've got some elements there. By the way, I just said story with our story. I meant our origin story, for instance. Right. So. So these are collective, these are collective stories. So what are the collective stories you hear inside and outside? Well, I hear my my employees are complaining about this and that. That's the type of stories. So, so I need to address that. That's inside and that's collective. Yeah. If Or my employees get really excited. They really, really get really joyful um, when we address a specific topic, like when we serve a type of customer or when we, we focus on a specific type of service or product that really gets them, you know, uh, more, say, more creative, for instance. Then there are the type of stories that are more individual. Okay. And I, I think I, I, I left the probably the most important last here, which is you as a leader. What is your mm-hmm. leadership narrative, right? What, mm-hmm. and, and that's the internal and personal side of the strategic narrative. And that's why I focus so much on this leadership side uh, aspect of my work, which is, you know, asking yourself through the exercise of the origin story, why did you start? Okay. Some people will say, well, I wasn't the founder of this company. I joined after. Well, why did you join? Right. What drew you in? What drew you in? Like what, what, and you, and you should be very factual and, and try to remember what was happening that week, that day, that month, uh, for you in your life with your family or your, your community, your relatives, your friends, what was happening also in society at the time so that you build that, that sense making story that keeps you passionate. And so that you face yourself in the mirror and, and be transparent. Like, can I still support what this company needs to grow as a leader? Or is it time for me to do something else and move on, right? So very, very critical part. So let me summarize here. You've got four boxes on a sheet of paper. Mm-hmm. I'll start, I'll go in reverse order now. Oh my gosh. Okay. Let me let me make this clear. So the we first... have a very advanced group of listeners. So don't Okay, worry. good. It's all good. <laughs> so take notes. Um, so the first one is the personal internal quadrant of the framework your origin story what makes you excited the passion that you that you bring to the table also i will throw in this in the same quadrant your productivity level how productive how dedicated are you you know do you do do you think that spending 80 hours a week working this is healthy probably not where is your life balance in this right so that's the first one uh the second one is the uh, opposite quadrant is the collective and external, which is very tied to the vision and the mission. I call this the opportunity dimension because mm. I really want people to think about something that is not related just to their company, but something that is related to the great greater opportunity that you bring um, to the world. So for instance, I'll take your example, Grove.co. What is the opportunity? The opportunity is to reduce our environmental footprint, right? Mm. So they are not just the only business pursuing that opportunity. There are thousands of other businesses trying to do the same. But when you go that route, what you're doing is that you rally people for something that is much deeper, 
than just a business. So, uh, so that's the opportunity quadrant here. Now I'm going to go back to the upper left part of your sheet of paper here, which is what I call the perspective dimension, which is, okay, as a team, what's the cement? What's the glue? What makes us excited together? And you've got, you've got to, you got to write this down. You've got to document it. You've got to You've got to publish it and make it a public declaration. So one of the exercises that I recommend that you can do, you don't need me to do this. Other people have done it very well, is to write a manifesto. What are your five to 10 principles that you will really stand for and that will help you to even um, hire people, right? right? You're going to use that manifesto to see if you, when you hire people, like, is there a fit here? You know, do, do these people are, are we hiring for cultural fit, uh, not just the, the technical skills? So that's the, that's the perspective dimension, very internal, very collective. There are other things you can do, but write down those, those principles here. Say, uh, we're all about transparency. Okay. What is a story that illustrates that you are about transparency? We're all about courage. Great. Are we able to talk about the elephants in the room? Are we courageous enough to do that? Write it down, write the story here. And, you know, when I say write the story, again, I'm not saying write a novel. <laughs> no. Just write a no. few words, you know. String some sentences together, people. Exactly. It was Ma Michael, the other, the other day, Michael did this. And that remind me, that reminds me of uh, courage and transparency. That's it. That's all you need. See, you don't need to be right. the right. Right. And another one of transparency, I'm a big believer in open book management. Okay. Like, one of the narratives that I believe in for every, that a company should adopt would be like, we tell people, uh, you know, where we're making money, how we're making money, where yeah. we're saving money. And, and then there's all sorts of stories that go inside that narrative, but like, you know, teach people business acumen is a belief of mine. Ooh. And so transparency is, this is what the PL looks like. Here it is. This is right. what we're here, doing. Here are, the, here are the numbers. Here are the numbers. Right. More and more companies are adopting also uh, transparent, uh, you know, salary policy. Like they they show what everybody's salary is, and uh, if you've heard of the the teal movement, teal organizations will have processes internally that uh, require everybody to weigh in on everybody's salary. It's fascinating. Oh, wow! Have you ever heard uh, of teal, teal organizations? T L T E A L teal companies. No, but I am going we, to. We should add that gonna, in the. You're gonna. I'm gonna do it. In the show notes, we should add that. But oh, this would be another podcast. <laughs> okay, let's do it. Want to? All right, more from. Gil. That would be great. Back. Be great. Did you so, hear that, everybody? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Where was I? One. So dimension one. It's yourself internally. Dimension two is you know upper right quadrant is the opportunity. Dimension three is the perspective that you're that your company, your team will really uh, build together. Okay, the final one. And, oh, hey, we are here to do business. We have a product, we have customers, right? right. So why do I put it at the individual level? It's because I see customers' relationships as one-on-one -on -one individual relationships, right? And so here I call the product dimension. And I call the product dimension and I, I, want, I want to give, you know, I want to, give credit to those who are very product focused. And that's where, that's where they will shine in that, that uh, dimension out of the four is that there will be really, really good. But one of the things that I see very often, and that's because of my product design background, um, people will come up with products that are not 
exactly what their market, their customers want. And they do that because they are very focused on their own narrative. They're very self-centered. They are very, um, and you you will see that in their product description. It's what I call, when I see this product description, I call that the brag zone. We're the number one product and we've got the X amount of awards and we are uh, the best in our category. And so, okay, that's great. That's I'm good for, oh, I'm so glad. I'm very happy for you. These are awesome um, signs of recognitions. You're doing a good job, but what are your customers actually saying? Let's that's let's right. hear let's hear it from them. And that's why we're in the external part of my model, which is before you even launch a product, why don't we do the simple the simple exercise? Take a sheet of paper and let's write a um, a mock just internal um, press release where we will have what the product does, what it is, or the service, by the way, I say product, but it could be services. And we're going to imagine what our raving fans are going to say about, about this and see, and then we're going to go test it and see if that's what even, that's what we should even develop first. Right. And if that aligns with our narrative. So you asked me about the very first step, there you have it. Something you can do on your own think and you see it's a it's a holistic view of things it's not just marketing i just hate it when you when many people say oh storytelling is all about marketing it will make your brand clear and it will it will hook people and you're going to sell more stuff this is so limited this is so old school this is just so deja vu no you need a global perspective on your organization and if you do this right what you're going to see on your piece of paper is you're going to start seeing the gaps oh my gosh now I see that we're saying things inside that don't, you know, relate to outside. We got to fix this. We got we got to make sure that there is a connection here. This is why we're wasting so much on uh, profitability. For instance, we're 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 making we're taking too much time to launch new offers. This must be why. And so that's that's the uh, conscious evolution that I hope some of our listener will will try because that's a radically more powerful way to think about business. Yeah, I can't, I couldn't agree more. You you are making my heart sing over here. So listen, here's what we got to do. Let's talk about the name of this book again, because you need to go get it. It's Strategic Narrative, a simple method that business leaders can use to make everyone understand their business, get behind it, and believe in it. And I'll tell you, uh, that's that's what we need inside our organizations, people who are like sold out to do this thing, to do this mission, this, this vision. So I have loved talking to you. I want to have you come back. We can talk about all sorts of things. We can continue <laughs> this. We can, we can do From the thing. Leadership. We can come back. And we do, oh, we know. <laughs> yeah, because because here's the thing. If people have the narrative in place and understand the stories around the narrative, because mm-hmm. again, like you said, the story has a beginning, a middle, and an end, but the narrative is like we're writing this story together, right? And we're not sure how the story is going to turn out, but we continue to figure out um, what's going on by looking at the things that we're... Okay, and don't miss this. Don't forget his quadrant thing. Go back, reverse the whole thing here and go watch, or excuse me, watch or go listen. Oh yeah, I have a video on this too, on YouTube, free. What's... Okay, so so tell us uh, where we go on YouTube to find you. What do we type in on YouTube? Uh, it's, it, would, up, but... it would be, it would be under my name, uh, Guillaume Viatre. I know it's a challenging spelling, but, um, Guillaume Viatre, spell it, my, spell it. G-U-I-L-L-A-U-M-E-W-I-A-T-R. 
Okay. It'll be in the show notes. Okay. It will be in the so, show notes anyways. Yeah. 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 And you can find him at www.metahelm.com, metahelm.com. And also, of course, he's on the LinkedIn, on the Facebook and on the Twitter, and you can find him in all those places and he can help you. But, you know, get started, get your piece of paper out, sit down with somebody, get it all dreamed up here. Um, but I do know that you probably have one more little nugget you would leave. There's like a listener going, no, no, don't stop. What's one last thing you would leave people with um, to kind of think about as they think about getting their strategic narrative together? Uh, so my mission is to really uh, turn every single in, uh, organization into a source of inspiration that few can resist. Mm. So I'll leave you with that. People will buy your story, uh, but people will almost die for a narrative. Mm. So that sums it up, I think. And I hopefully, I hope this inspires you to explore that forward-thinking way of building businesses. Yeah, I agree. I love what you're talking about. Guillaume, it's been an absolute delight to have you on the Build a Vibrant Culture Likewise, podcast. Nicole. All right, everybody, Likewise, thanks for Nicole. listening. We'll have, we'll have him back. Talk Bye, everyone. But have a great day. Great day. And I look <laughs> forward to chatting again with you soon. Take care. Ready to build your vibrant culture? Bring Nicole Greer to speak to your leadership team, conference, or organization to help them with her strategies, systems, and smarts to increase clarity, accountability, energy, and results. Your organization will get lit from within. Email Nicole at NicoleGreer.com. And be sure to check out Nicole's TEDx talk at NicoleGreer.com.